It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Storm and Ricardo bringing you the netballing moments that matter. Center pass in focus on SENZ. We are, we're moving it around. I was going to ask you that. So firstly, I, I love your name. How did your parents come up with the name Storm? My daughter's called Summer Rose. Yeah, which I love. That's a great name. Really um, earthy. I just wanted something quintessential New Zealand. Summers and bare feet under the Bahutakawa trees. Fantastic. It's beautiful. I wish I had a cool story because when I was playing in my career, I feel like this was the number one question I'd get asked in interviews. Oh, okay. I apologise. No, it's fine. <laughs> we're I not getting off to good I haven't been asked yet. for a while. But I, it's just they knew someone, um, they met someone on their travels who was from Zimbabwe and apparently she was just this gorgeous, amazing woman and they love the name. And firstborn girl, I was just lucky enough to get it. My brother's Henry and my sister's Claudia. So I don't know what kind of What were the nicknames you were given at school then if you're called Storm? Uh, it's, it's a hard name to nickname, it is, to be isn't honest. It? You just get Stormy. Um, I got called Stomp a lot because I have quite large feet and I play netball and, you know, stomp around all the time. It's not very nice, is it? Well, it's okay. It's high school. Um, <laughs> to be honest, that's about it. Yeah. That's really it. I really kind of I hated it when I was growing up, like really young, um, at primary school. <laughs> like if it, if there was a storm outside, kids used to like lock me outside and be like, you know, stay outside. You're not allowed in classes. If you're gonna you hang around here, put a raincoat on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Lovely. But and I used to change my name to like. Sarah and Sophie and Forms and stuff, which is stupid because now I love it. Now, we haven't worked together in the past, and I'll be mm. honest, I haven't done a lot of netball for a while. In fact, I was just saying to somebody, um, the only game of netball I've ever been a commentator at actually was the Ames Games final, ah. um, which was, what I year couldn't, was that? Oh, about three or four, three, four years ago, okay. and I couldn't believe just how big that was, how serious it all was, and how many people watched that final. I was terrified. Because it's Ames... Intermediate. It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, netball, it's like, in terms of participation, it's the highest played sport in mm. schools around the country. I think in general it's the highest played sport in the country when you take into account social netball, indoor netball and everything. Um, and, you know, big tournaments like that, I'm not surprised that that was kind of like the highlight. Like I think about Com Games, I don't know if I'm being biased, but, you know, the, grand, the netball gold medal match is always on the last day. It's always a really big one. Um, it's a pinnacle event for, for netball um, around the world. So that's very cool to hear. I hope you enjoy yeah, it. And I, can, can I boast a little bit here? Because yes. the only... I, I, I um, And I'm sure I'm going to start taking a lot more interest and in watching a lot more netball as my daughter starts to progress through the ranks. But I've always been sort of away on weekends as a commentator mm. and doing things. But I got to arguably see the greatest game of netball ever played through the eyes of a New Zealand. I was there in Delhi. Were you? Extra wow. time. 2010? 2010. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to say this for the first time ever. There were times when I had to leave because I was so damn nervous that I just had to walk away because I couldn't watch. I couldn't bear the idea of suddenly Australia <laughs> up by two. And we ended up winning it. And I'll never remember. I'll never forget the demeanour of the Australians. They, I, I, yeah, I, I they, weren't, they weren't particularly gracious, to be fair. No, I think. on the podium nice, as well, yeah, even. Like, yeah. surely by then you've had time to just kind of, I mean, you don't really get over a game like that ever, do you? I remember Kath Cox, like, shaking her hand, like, shaking at the end of it. Um, and I took the day off school that day because I was 
just fizzing and had to watch it and wouldn't go to school. Um, you were there. That's really, really cool. It's funny you bring up an extra time thriller like that because... Here we go. It was the that only, was the segue. That yeah, was the segue. I, I'm just going to pick up where you left off. It was the only game. So COVID obviously is causing havoc for the ANZ Premiership this year. So five games turned into one. Four games turned into one over the weekend. Um, and the only game that went ahead, which was last night, was an extra time thriller game of the season. Did you, did you watch it? No, look, I didn't. I was working here. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Luckily, I did. Mm. So I can talk all about it. Actually, it was funny because I was hosting Crowd Goes Wild at the time and I was playing it on my phone in the corner and that show's live and we're supposed to be talking about sport and, you know, not watching the netball out of the corner of my eye. But I couldn't pull my eyes away. It was just, uh, it was outrageous, you know, the, the pulse. We were doing a live cross to George Fisher from the Steel after the game. And in uh, my script for the show, I had to write it before I knew the result. And I'd already written, the Pulse have just beaten the steel, but let's cross now to George Fisher. And as we went live, I was like, shoot, autocue, change the script. Because um, I was just not expecting the steel to do that. Yeah, and that was the story, wasn't it? They weren't expected to do that. No, not at all. And even during the game, they were down by 11 at three-quarter time. It was 51-40 at three-quarter time with 15 minutes to play, even with, I think, it wasn't until about there was about 11 minutes to play that the steel actually began to eat into that deficit. So an 11-minute turnaround <clears throat> to bring the game level, 11 goals. I mean, I don't know if that's ever been done. Have you experienced that in your career? No, gosh, no. Not in a quarter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've seen comebacks like that over a, over a longer period of time, maybe a half of netball. Mm. Um it was just unbelievable. And it wasn't even like I watched it again this morning to try and figure out what happened for the pulse. And it wasn't even that they imploded. It was just the steel came out with so much hunger and desire and they just leveled up. They looked stronger and faster. And, you know, after 45 minutes of netball, that's hard to do. But they clearly haven't been that way through the season because they came in as clear underdogs. So what is this? How much of a turning point is this for them? Can they maintain that momentum now? Have they found the formula how much belief is now instilled? Oh, I mean, you can't underestimate the belief, that's for sure. I have to point out that they were doing this without their co-captain, Tehungere Selby Rickett, who we're going to have on the show later. Um, she's their, you know, their kingpin down in the defensive end. She wasn't there. So that was another, you know, thing against them. Their coach had COVID, so she wasn't there. She was on the phone from home, kind of yelling at the assistant coach. Um so uh, just their ability to, to pull it out and win that game in extra time, our first extra time of the season, it'll, it'll definitely bring a lot of belief. Um, <clears throat> and saying that, the Steel, like, they're a side and a franchise that we know can do this, so no one would ever count out the Steel. You'd be a damn fool if you were ever going to really count them out for the season. Um, they've won it so many times before. Um, they're famous for their ball retention and their possession play and their ability just to not you know, get frazzled under pressure. Um, and now they'll be famous for turning around, turning around an 11-goal uh, deficit. So, yeah, it's shame on me for really just counting them out so early. And I should have known better. I mean, I played for them Oh, yeah, but hindsight's, a, hindsight's a wonderful <laughs> thing. You can only look at the form guide. You can only see what's gone before. Uh, look, I, I want to ask you this. I'm always curious when I watch netball. And because I'm not close to it and I'm not an aficionado, I tend to look at it. And it look, it appears that both teams share a fairly similar sort of blueprint in the way they play, and that's probably my ignorance. Does each team have a unique style? Do coaches bring their own flavour? It's actually funny you say that because I would agree with you. I think they've got shooting ends that 
can be dynamic and move, but they've also got really strong holds and two goal shoots who don't miss. I think, what did I write down? The pulse shot, 97%. The steel shot, 90%. I mean, that's unbelievable mm. in an extra time game of netball. Um, and, and they're both teams that have really solid, without being flashy, mid-courts. Um, so that's you know a good observation that they are quite well suited in terms of their style of play. But if you come up State Highway 1 and look at the Mystics, yep. they've got Grayson Wiki, who's this six-foot, a million you know, ridiculous athlete that, and they play a game where they can just biff it and constantly score really fast, have a lot of um, that Auckland flair as well through players like Peter Toyava. It's a thing. So there is a thing. There is an Auckland flair. There's a Carlos Spencer within women's netball. Yeah, there there really is. And it's been that way since, you know, Maria Tutaya, Timapara Bailey were around in in the Auckland scene. And it's just something that um, I guess... Auckland has kind of harnessed, the netball in, in this region has kind of harnessed that and accepted that this is the way we play. People might hate it, we might not get it right all the time, but it's exciting and it, we need it, to figure it, out how to make it work. Is that a cultural thing? Is that because of the Pacific I, I really Island think player? It is. Yeah, I do. Because I do. we see it in rugby too, don't we? I mean, yes, the Pacific yeah. Island players, best athletes in the world, they love to run with the ball. Exactly. And, and these. They're just so athletic and their ability to just do these incredible things in the air and with their strength. Um, it's it's definitely it's definitely a ca- the case, and we see obviously this high density of Pacific Islanders in Auckland, and I think their influence has been, um, you know, just just being mm. so apparent in Auckland for so many years mm. that it's great to see Auckland netball franchises like the Mystics not be afraid to say. Yeah, we do play that way. Yeah, it's exciting netball. Now we need to figure out how to, you know, turn that into possession play whilst not getting rid of our flair and what makes us so fantastic to watch. Is there room for evolution in the game for a team to adopt a, a different approach or are those changes just now at that point where they've just incredibly subtle? It's really hard because, I mean, a lot of, for years, netball loyalists hated the tall shooter. And they hated when, you know, we started getting the Irene Van Dykes and, you know, the Janelle Fowler-Reeds of Jamaica come in and just make such a difference um, to the netball scene in the way that they were so hard to defend. And so over the past, I'd say 10 years, um, coaches have been having to figure out a way to make defenders uh, change their way they play so that they can get more ball. Um, because it just became impossible to get intercepts. And, Mm. you know, as a defender, one of the best things about netball is seeing these incredible intercepts. So that's developed over time, which has mean the reverse effect is that coaches and teams now have to have one or two or three different attacking styles of play up their sleeves so that they can mix it up a bit. If the tall lobbing shooter isn't working, you can put on two shorter, speedier shooters and say, hey, defenders, come at me now. You know, you've got to change it up now too. So... They're little tweaks that maybe to the untrained eye you might not notice, mm. um, but if you watch a lot of netball, you can you can see the difference a player makes when they come on court, and that's a great thing about netball as well. Bench players bring uh, have a purpose and bring so much impact. One thing, and I think it was the Australians. It might be seven eight years ago now. There was this suddenly the Australians turned up and bought this real physical game. And my wife took my daughter to see a Mystics game at Waitakere Stadium. And she came away and said, man, I didn't realise just how physical it was at this level. I think she even may have mentioned Grace Nowicki as a player who she felt was, you know, handled it quite well, but wasn't afraid to dish it out. I mean, how physical is it? Is, and is it just physical in Auckland? 
No, no, no. It's physical everywhere. My gosh. Has it always been that way, though? Or am I right that um, there was a shift somewhere? I think it's as the game has got more professional, there's been more emphasis on getting in the gym, getting strong, more data around players being at their peak level. So naturally, players have got stronger over the years. And as the game gets faster... Um, umpires are having to keep up with the, the change in speed of play. So things go unnoticed. Um, and when you've got two strong, um, you know, athletic players going for the ball at the same time, there's not much to to see as an umpire. And if they're both going and it's a fair challenge, then it's like, okay, fair game. You can bump her off. She's bumping you off. It's all in the name of the contest. Um, so for sure, I mean, even while I was playing, I started in 2011, um, professional, sorry, and even over those years, like the amount of time we spent in the gym doubled during mm. my 10 professional years. So there's just a real emphasis on being a full rounded athlete as the game gets more and more So professional. a lot more core strength work, a lot more supplementary work in the just gym. Just everything. Plyometrics. I've been doing bench press for the first time in my life. And, yeah, you know, what are you bench press? 20 kilograms on the bar. <laughs> like, oh my God, my chicken <laughs> arms. But Are you describing me or you? <laughs> I mean, that was a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and, and you know, we, we took all these stats down and when you were going to Silver Ferns selection camps, they would look at all these things. They'd look at your squat strength, your bench press, all these things that you were like, wow, okay, a lot, a lot actually goes into this. So the game has come a long way in New Zealand and across the world, really, um, in terms of professionalism. So I think that's a byproduct, the physicality that you're seeing of, um, yeah, more emphasis on just being a well-rounded athlete so it is physical people that's the number one peop- thing people say when they go to a live game they're like holy cow <laughs> it's pretty yeah, tough I, out there I guess there's got to be a line though isn't there we're seeing a lot of people turn off rugby because of the concussion issue and a lot of mums sitting and I mean the mums do make the decisions in a household where they say look Johnny's not playing rugby because of the concussion issue and I think you've got to be careful that it doesn't get too physical to the point where parents start to actually go you know what I'm not sure that this is really where I want my daughter playing. Yeah and there's a lot of pressure on umpires in that space as well and over the years the rules have also changed and um, we've now introduced cautions, warnings and then a send off so the umpire it's all you know their discretion if they give a player a caution for reckless play that's pretty much your one warning you get your second warning and then you're gone so over the last sort of three years, I'd say when those rules first came in, umpires were pretty scared to use them because um, when a player gets sent off in netball, certainly back in the day, it was a really big deal because it never happened. Um, I, was just, I was just thinking, have I ever seen a netball player being sent off? There was one World Cup when Timapara Bailey got sent yeah. off. Uh, I can't remember, it was years ago. But in the ANC Premiership, you do see it a bit. Kayla mm. Johnson, Sean Johnson's yep. um, wife, gets, you know, she gets sent off every now and then, so... Been watching too much league, I think, but it, it definitely happens. <laughs> too much league, yeah. <laughs> definitely happens. Okay, it is fourteen minutes after eight. You're listening to SENZ. This is Cena Pass. Storm Purvis is my co-host. Uh, look, if you do, if you are listening to this and you do want to phone the program, if you've got any questions, um, 0800 You can also text us here on double eight double three. No, far better looking than Ricardo. I have to tell myself that. Okay, <laughs> I have to tell myself because no one else would evolve. I work on radio for a reason. I work Work on radio for a reason. His hair is better than yours. I'll but I'm, see, that. but I'm growing mine, man. I got the whole surf thing going on. I'm having a midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> see, I live out at Murawai Beach. I got will the whole. We go, go Ricardo full full midlife crisis. No, when I was an athlete in my young twenties, I had long hair, blonde dreads. Believe it or not, I'll Great. show you a photo later. True story. Right. Yeah, true story. Yeah. Sort of got my whole Guns and Roses sort of yeah midlife crisis. Anyway, <laughs> Mark from Sydney's phone through. Mark, good evening. Welcome. Good evening. How are you both? Great, well, thanks, Mark. Great. 
And I'd like to say thanks for the best netball radio program around because you two really make netball fun for us devoted fans. Oh, fantastic. God, I'm on debut and I'm getting yeah, praise. No, you, there you <laughs> go. I, I'm like, I'm the greatest. Am- yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm on debut. To be fair, there aren't enough netball radio shows around, so the, the, the bar's set pretty low. But, uh, hey, that's great. Great feedback. Thank you. They do great. I mean, I'm from Sydney originally, but I'm half Kiwi. My mum was from Murchison. I lived there for 15 years. So it's always great to hear good New Zealand sport program. Because, you know, I I used to um, actually play netball when I went to Murchison Area School. And um, that's my mum's hometown when I lived over there. And uh, I attend a lot of uh, netball matches over here. My favourite team is the New South Wales Swish, being a Sydney side of myself. And... Um, I was at the Netball World Cup when they played it in Sydney a few years ago. And when they had New Zealand versus Australia, the Kudos Bank Arena was jammed. You couldn't swing an independent thought, let alone a cat in there. It was a great game. (laughs) And I would like to ask Storm what she thinks of the current um, New Zealand and Australian teams uh, and compared to like when she was playing and you know Storm you've been a great player so thank you for all the entertainment you've given us uh, Nepal fans over the years but where do you think um, like if Australia and New Zealand went up to each other and played tomorrow where do you think their areas of strength are and what they need to improve on to get a win over each other? Great question. It is a great question you've really put me um, yeah Put me on the firing line here. Uh, look, it's, it's obviously a Commonwealth Games year, which is a, a pinnacle year for both both of these sides. Um, and we're missing a few people here in New Zealand. Jane Watson, who is you know our star goalkeeper and has been so great for us, was vital in that World Cup win back in 2019. She's not going to be there. Um, but it's great to see that Kelly Jury is having a fantastic year and stepping up down that defensive end. And to be honest, that was probably the area of court that I would be most worried about from the Silver Ferns. But as the season has gone on, um, I've been really encouraged by the efforts from our up-and-coming defenders. So that's great. Obviously, down the other end, Amelia Anacanasio, who was um, you know, our Silver Ferns captain uh, before giving birth to her second child, Another one who was just so crucial in that World Cup 2019 win. I don't know if you watched it. I don't know if you support Australia or New Zealand, but that might have been a hard one for you to watch. But um, if we can get her uh, back on court, ready to fire at the Com Games, that would be great. But you did ask about tomorrow. So if it happened tomorrow, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see too much of the SSN, which is the Suncorp um, Super League over in Australia. But... From what I have followed online, um, players just really giving their all in that league. And I think they know that there are positions on the line. Obviously, no Caitlin Bassett anymore. You know, they need a new goal shoot to really put their hand up. Uh, Gretel, Gretel Buetta, um, formerly Tippett, is just an outstanding athlete. Another one returning uh, from giving birth. And I think she is going to be so important for the Diamonds. And if she plays well um, and fires, you know, I think... Diamonds are going to be really, really hard to beat. So if you're asking me, I hope none of my friends and the ferns are listening right now, but if they're going head-to-head tomorrow, I have to give it to the Diamonds. Um, Ask me again in July or early August when that uh, gold medal match in Birmingham will be, and it might be a different answer, but that's my take on it at the moment. Hey, Mark, lovely to have you in the program. Thank you for your call. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. Again, you can text your thoughts here on 8811. How concerned should we be by the shooting of Bailey Mez at the moment? 85%. Have we, well, we just simply haven't played enough games really for that, that 
to have a lot of relevance. I guess so. 85% back in the day, right, would be gold star, above 85%, wow, you're amazing. These days we have shooters like Grace Mickey, George Fisher, Aaliyah Dunn, who literally never miss. Um, but Bailey Mears is someone who over the years has, you know, rightly so, been criticised for her um, accuracy under the post. But she is playing goal attack this year. She's barely played any netball for the past two years um, coming back from knee injuries. And I have been extremely impressed with her netball so far this season. And so to be shooting at 85% as a goal attack, I haven't had a look at the rest of the goal attack um, percentages over the season, but I'd say she'd be right up there. Okay, look, I I want to ask this question for non-netballing aficionados. Mm -hmm. What is the primary difference between the goal attack and the goal shoot? So the goal shoot is kind of like the staple at the back there. She only stays in that one third of the court, puts her hands up. Her goal is to shoot the goals, get rebounds, and that's pretty much it. You don't want to stress her out any more. Oh, sorry, she or him. You don't want to stress the goal shoot out any more than they need to be. Um, You want to make their job really easy and just let them focus on getting the goal in the hoop. Um, Goal attacks play half wing attack, half goal shoot. So your goal attack is almost, in a way, like your first five in rugby. So they sort of... They can yep. be a playmaker. They kind of run the attacking end. If, if they've got those silky skills that they could be good enough to be in the midcourt, but they've got that added ability of being able to shoot, then you wear the goal attack. I hate to say it, but your goal attacks are like your, you know, they're your, they're your number they're the, ones. They're your quarterback. Yeah, they get all the publicity. Pretty much they're your quarterback. They're on and, the cover you know, of Women's it was, Day. It was Maria... Tutaya, Maria Falau, who, you know, Man really Albert, lived up to that. Mount Albert Grammar. Mount Albert Grammar. <laughs> yeah, we always exactly. bring up Mount Albert Grammar. It's part of my brand. Every show we do, we mention Mount Albert Grammar. But you must remember Sherelle McMahon from yes, over in Aussie. You I know, do. everyone remembers the way she plays. Like that goal but attack. But you've got to be you've got to be a lot better now. You've almost got to be a three point shooter in basketball now, don't you, as a goal attack? Well, yes, if your goal shoot's the one stuck under the post and defenders are double marking your goal shoot and you're all alone right at the edge of the circle or just inside the circle, then, yeah, you've got to be able to put the shots up. Is that an area where a lot more emphasis and focus has been put now? Because I, I look at Maria Falau, Maria mm. Tutai, yeah, mm. but she seemed to change the game in that area. She demonstrated that, hey, look, you can shoot from distance and you can be effective. Absolutely. And then we had the likes of Amelia and Ekinasio kind of take over from Maria and do the exact same thing. And I think we've seen that influence definitely in England. Australia had to go and mess everything up by changing their um, the way they play the game in their professional league. They've introduced a two-point shot. And I really think they did that to encourage their shooters to be able to shoot from distance. So it's about three metres out from the hoop mm. and just inside the um, circle of which you're allowed to shoot from. That is now with two points in the Australian League. to try. And I honestly think it was Lisa Alexander who was the Diamonds coach at because the time. Because we saw that, that was part of what was it? The, what was Fast this? Five. The Fast Five, yeah. wasn't it? That, that was sort of one of those initials. Like the Sevens the, of Netball. The T20. Yeah, the T20 and the Sevens it's of not Netball. A, it's, it's actually not a bad idea, though, is it? I mean, come Commonwealth Games, you're going... So how do you defend then... And how do you defend the goal shoot and the goal attack if you've got a goal attack who, say, is as good as what we saw with uh, Maria Falau? Mm. If, if they're going to change the game, if the Aussies come saying, hey, we're, we're not just 95% or 98% below the hoop, mm. just outside too. We, we, we're in the 90% as well. We've well, got two options. That's what I really hope the Silver Ferns will end up being by the time Commonwealth Games hit because you've got Grayson Wickey in the back and if Amelia Anikanasio is ready to go, She's your new Maria. So you've got those two really strong options that, um, 
you know, thank God I didn't have to come across them together back in my day when I was playing because I would have hated it. Like, when Why you had, would you have hated it? Because of the physicality or just simply because of the athleticism? Or because you, you couldn't just double team one and put all the pressure on the other to shoot because they were both so great. So normally in, a, in an attacking circle, if there's one player that's a little bit dodgy or one player that really carries the team, you would uh, implement your strategy to kind of counteract that. And now if you've got two 10 out of 10 players to defend and worry about in that circle, it just makes it really hard to defend. Physicality, I don't care. I love it. Give it to me. But um, the uh, just the, I guess, knowing that both of those shooters are going to be able to do their job and shoot at above 90% at all times makes it pretty scary for the defenders. 27 and a half minutes after eight, you're listening to SENZ. This is our netball show called Centre Pass. Um, Storm Purvis is my co-host on the programme. If you've got any questions, you can text us here on double eight double three. You can phone the programme on 0800 150 811. Back with more. Well, yeah, yeah, a little bit of gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing you'd have on that. the police. <laughs> What? Sorry? So, so I've got my rap tune. I've got a rap tune here, Storm. It's it's pretty bad, but it's like a dad joke. Yeah, yeah. See, so on radio, they always called me Watto, mm-hmm. right? And I was away with Carl Tanana, actually. He gave me the line KT. I was up at a Coral Coast Sevens. Yeah. And he goes, bro, does your wife call you? Or your radio listeners call you Watto? Your wife calls you Lotto. Six balls on the bonus, baby. Uh. And I'm stuck with that rap tune. <laughs> I just need the next lines to it. Well, you K- need to hit up KT. I'm sure he can help K- you out. K- KT gave me you that. Need to hit hey, beat two, beat two. Maybe not Dua Leaper. Yeah, no, know. singing's never been my forte. <laughs> uh, you, weren't, you weren't afraid to tell me either. Um, now, look, before we go through our team of the week, I want I've got a question for you. Whatever happened to the Harrison Hoist? Do you know it's still a thing? But they had to alter it a little bit because uh, the rules changed. So the very original, very first Harrison Hoist was... Lifting in the line-out. Lifting and Harrison up and talking at the ball, getting a hand in the way of the ball as the shot was making its way down, and like goaltending, as it was making its way down into the hoop. And it, that was always fine. It was never in the rule book because no one could physically jump that high. <laughs> so as soon as you started lifting someone, it's like, oh, that's probably not fair that she's allowed to talk at it while it's making its way down. So now you can still lift someone and throw them up, but you have to get the ball while it's um, travelling in an upward trajectory. So now it's it's kind of different. It's not like your solid line up straight up. It's kind of more like a thrust forward. You kind of lift up your defender and just kind of throw them towards the shooter. So have so you it's changed st- a bit. Have any, do any teams do it? Yeah, the Mystics do it all the time. Oh, do they? Actually, a lot, of, a lot of teams do it. If you can find a defender that's light enough and springy enough, so Kate Burley down at the Steel, yeah. before she went to the Steel, the Mystics did it all the time because she was there. I haven't seen the Steel pull it out yet with Kate Burley down there. But, um, but yeah, teams definitely give it a go. And actually, I'm... Um, Kicking myself for not bringing this up when you asked about defending a long-range long shooter. It's a really good time to pull it out because you've got so much space in the circle between you, the shooter, and the hoop. So um, you'll see a bit of it, I'm sure, at the Commonwealth Games. You'll see a bit of it in the ANZ Premiership. It's the way that the game's developed. We're doing line-outs now. There you go. We are doing line-outs indeed. <laughs> June will have a rolling mall. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, uh, let's run through your team of the week. Well, look, it was really tough this week because we only had the one game to choose from. So therefore I only had the two teams to choose from, 14 players, seven positions. So if you didn't make it, it was kind of like I was choosing between... Are you going to burn a few friends here? No, I don't think so this week. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. We'll start at the goal shooting though and I have gone with Aaliyah Dunn from the Pulse, even though um, she kind of was part of the Pulse crumbling at the end there. She still shot at uh, 97% and missed two shots the entire game. Uh, which is unbelievable. 
unbelievable. She's young, she's cool, she's calm. Um, yeah, I just think she, if it wasn't for her, the, the pulse could have really lost that by a lot more because as soon as the ball is in her hands, it's going to get into the hoop. They just really struggled getting it to her. So she's my goal shoot. And at goal attack, Georgia Heffernan, a name that a lot of people probably won't recognise because she isn't normally the starting goal attack for the steal. But she slot the winning, not winning, the goal to send the game into extra time to level it up at the full-time whistle. It was a clutch buzzer beater. Really stoked with her effort, considering we haven't seen much of her this season. Okay, wing attack goes to Shannon Saunders um, from the steal. Formerly uh, Shannon Francois, she's been around a while, but she is um, almost like your quarterback, I guess, for that steel side and at wing attack, just because she has that experienced head in that position. And next week, well, this weekend, sorry, she's due to play her 150th game for the steel. So she is just a weapon um, and had another great game. Kate Heffernan in at centre for the steel happens to be Georgia Heffernan's twin sister. It's very easy to get them mixed up because they're identical twins and they play with like really similar attributes. Um, she had an outstanding game at centre. Just another really solid player. The Steel mm. managed to find these players that have good base skills and just really hone in on making them do their job well and not worry about anything else. So great to see her have another great game. Renee Savainea from the Steel. I've got a full Steel midcourt there, rounds out at wing defence. And then into the defenders circle, I found this really tough, to be honest. Um, Goldie was easy. It's Kate Burley from the Steel. I, yep. I talk about her every week, but uh, she just gets so many games. I think she got five intercepts in this match just been and was uh, the one who really turned the game for the Steel and helped them uh, get back in there and win the game by three in extra time. But my goal keep... And Ben in the in the producer's booth there is going to roll his eyes because it's been the same lady every week. It is Kelly Jury from The Pulse. Um, she. What, what's wrong with that, Ben? What can't, what's wrong with <laughs> Kelly Jury? Oh, nothing. It's fantastic. Oh, I mean, you think Switzerland get annoyed that Roger Federer wins every week? Do you think the Americans don't like the fact that Tiger Woods wins in golf a lot? Oh, we, Kelly was on last week, and she was a fantastic guest, so I've got nothing to say bad to say about her. No. Fantastic defender. Yes, she is. Nothing to, uh, nothing bad to say about her, but I think people might have been like, oh, you just picked her because she's your guest on the show and you just don't want to upset her. But genuinely, I feel like every week I've picked Kelly Jury as my goalkeeper, and again, she is my captain of the week because we always pick one of those. The way she's leading this young pulse side, she's only young herself, um, she's doing an exceptional job, and after that heartbreaking, crushing uh, lost to the steal in extra time. She composed herself and spoke really nicely to the media. I think it's a healthy reminder that it, netball's a 60-minute game instead of 45. We had a really good first three quarters. Um, we built a healthy lead. I think we're up by 11 at one stage going into that last quarter. But, yeah, we just let it slip. No excuses. I guess you could just feel the tension and um, the girls really just going into themselves. So just reminding them to stay calm that we're actually still in the lead. Um, but in the end, still, we're just hungrier for the win. Hungrier for the win, eh? Yeah. More desperate. Which would have pissed her right off, I think, because yeah. she, right up until the final whistle of extra, extra time, she was still getting intercepts, still getting her hands on the ball and just, you know, put everything out there. And mm. when you need a captain to lead by example, she did exactly that. And I think she has a right to be pretty peeved off with her attackers down the other end. So, But you couldn't tell in her interview, you know, she credit to the steal, she, you know, articulated her thoughts on the game immediately afterwards so well. And for a young player, I just really appreciate that about her. Mm. Yeah. Do you think the game is in a better place now that we've broken away from the Australians? Is that point where we 
mm-hmm. sort of played across and so we were exposed to the Australian style, they were exposed to our style. Is it a better, are the Silver Ferns better equipped for the fact that we just have this own internal competition now? There's like two... Because pretty... arguably, sorry, arguably the Ferns sort of went downhill during that period. We didn't play that well nationally. I know. It's, that's what I mean. There's, there's two really strong arguments to this argument. Um, because you're right, while we were playing in what was called the ANZ Championship back then, um, the Ferns didn't have a great run. And I can't figure out in my head whether that's just a mighty old coincidence um, or whether the fact that when we broke away and became the ANZ Premiership um, back in 2017 was our first year of that. We then came out and won the World Cup as massive underdogs in 2019. And no one was expecting that. And people who had watched the two competitions, I don't know whether they were just trying to wind people up, but they'd be like, oh, the Aussie competition is so much better, it's so much better, the quality is so much higher, and would laugh at our little competition. Um, and yet we you know, went to Liverpool and won the World Cup. Is it a better competition than ours? I don't think so, personally. No. I, I, but I'm, again, biased. Um, I think they've ruined it by introducing the two-point shot. I know people who watch Netball for Entertainment may disagree with me. Um, but to see a comeback like that, as we saw over the weekend, without needing a two-point shot to eat into that deficit, I think just goes to show you that you don't need it in Netball to make the game exciting. Um, again, personal opinion, you're looking at me like, oh, two two-point shot, that sounds great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here listening. I am simply the student, okay? Uh, yeah. I am merely a disciple. You are the prophet. Enlighten I think, me. I think it's it's been good in the way. No, look, I'm not a big one for competitions being bastardised. Like, I love test cricket. I don't want to, I want to see five days. I don't want to see you go to four days. Yeah. Um, you sure. know, I think you've got to be careful. And look, but yes. you, can, you can break it up. Like, the Fast Five was yeah, great. Fa- absolutely. Because it, it produced that yeah. sort of exciting, fun, different product, but you can still keep netball. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I was heavily involved with the um, Auckland to Atara two years ago. Now, traditionally in baseball, it's nine inning. Now, because it's a a relatively new sport in New Zealand, you know, we're used to softball. Um, We've probably got short attention spans and you go, well, nine inning of baseball, is that really going to capture people's imagination? And so as a club, they said, no, you play in New Zealand, we're going to play seven inning. Mm. So that's going to put a little bit more pressure on in those middle innings, four, five, et cetera. Mm. And yeah, the purists in baseball hated it. Um, the Australian fans hated it, but they were only seeing it through the eyes of the pure baseball aficionado without actually saying, yes, but how do we reach the wider audience? They're used to T20. They've got a sort of a fast food mentality. I don't mind Australia doing it if it's about um, trying to broaden the appeal of the game and getting more viewers, but if they're simply doing it, as you sort of touched on, I'm not saying that that's what you were saying, but mm. you, we touched on the fact, well, are you doing it because you want to develop your goal attack and their ability to shoot because we wanted it as a weapon at international level? Then I think you've got to be really careful because then the game's too top-heavy and you're actually bastardising your competition. Yeah, and then I think the Australian Diamonds come and play international netball and realise that they can't rely on having the two-point shot up their sleeves mm. and they lose. So it, it's... To be fair, I think it's possible that um, I think when they broke away, they got a massive TV deal with Fox. And netball is big in Australia, but it's bigger in New Zealand. So they do have to worry about reaching a bigger audience. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. And look, it is a great product over there. But yeah, I prefer the traditional netball. Now we've got a guest coming up on the programme. Yes, Te Hungareo, Selby, Rickett, uh, Pulse, Pulse Steel, co-captain coming right up. Was it his father or uncle played for the All Blacks? Her father, Hud. There you go, Hud sure did. Absolutely. His brothers, Monarchy and yeah. the Highlanders. Oh, God, I hate overachievers. <laughs> 17 minutes away from nine. It's not Ricardo Ball. 
It's Mark Watson tonight alongside me, Storm Purvis, here on SENZ. It's Centre Pass, my favourite show on this radio station, I must say. Um, it's the time of the show where we get to talk to a player playing in the ANZ Premiership at the moment. And tonight we are lucky enough to be joined by a steel stalwart, really. Um, it is Tehungi Reo Selby record. I can hear you giggling at that, who, in the background. But it, it's true. Um, you must have loved watching that game yesterday. But I know you weren't there. Can you tell us why? Yeah. Oh, I got COVID. I'm a bit embarrassed, actually. I'm not the first in my team to get it. Um, obviously, a couple had it, but I'm the first in person to get it in competition so the first to be out for it and I know I'm going to get a fine end the year but it's worth it but yeah I'm like gutted so I missed a few games you but say, yeah back now hopefully. You say fine and just to clarify you mean at your end of um, season court oh, session court don't you? <laughs> sorry. Yes, sorry. Yes the good old court session end of year. The famous steel court session god those have killed me in the past. Oh, um, Uchi, but let's talk about the game what did you make of it while you were watching yep. at home? Um, we didn't have the best start, but that never really worries me with our team because I know they can always take it back. They're not the sort of team to just, you know, get down on themselves and think because they lost the first quarter by like seven or six that they're out of the game. So I wasn't worried about it. But I must say, going into the third when they were down by 11, I remember thinking they just need to get this bonus points. They'd be within five. And then suddenly they were in seven and I thought, yes, they're going to get it. And then I feel like, what, three minutes later, they were down by two and I was like, yes, we can actually win this. And obviously it was a draw in the end, but to take it an extra time, they were just building. So once they got the extra time, I kind of knew they, they had it because, yeah, they had the momentum. So it was great, yeah. Were your vocal cords okay? I don't know if, what your symptoms were like from COVID, but I'm not sure that would have been good for your recovery. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't really. I'm not that kind of support. I kind of stand quietly and I don't know. I think it's from years of like watching and sitting in the crowd. And usually when you have family members saying, you've got to be quiet, you can't. You know, you can't talk. Sometimes you could say something about someone else. So I'm used to just kind of keeping it in myself but not over-celebrating or saying anything, just just thinking, wait till the final whistle. But when that went and they were up, yeah, I, was, yeah, I didn't scream at all. I was just real happy and stoked for them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, you talk about people in the crowd. Your parents, of course, Mediana oh. and HUD, are huge netball supporters. <laughs> I feel like they're at every game. But obviously HUD and ex-All yeah. Black. You've got your brother Manaki playing for the Highlanders. Tapia playing up the road at the Tactics. I mean, how do they get around <laughs> and actually um, show their support to so many games? They must be uh, in New Zealand's biggest customers. Yeah, they will be. I don't know. They just are obsessed with me. But we always like make fun of my mum and probably my dad's in that basket now too. We used to think she just dragged him, but he's definitely obsessive. They just love it and they love watching. They would literally watch anyone um, play. They just love it. And I think the fact that we play and they actually have a reason to go to the games is probably a good excuse for them. But I think we've carried my dad over. He's a real rugby guy. He just watches non-stop rugby league. But I feel like he enjoys coming to the netball a bit more. I think the rugby's a bit too cold for him, so... Yeah, I think we've converted him, poor old Manaki. But, yeah, the indoor, close confines of netball, I think he enjoys that a bit more these days. Have they been to the Sistema lunchbox at the um, Forsyth Bar Stadium to watch Manaki yet? <laughs> no, my dad almost had a heart attack walking up the stairs. So he's a bit traumatised by that place at the moment. So, yeah, I, I hope they do get a chance. Um, yeah, they just don't like the cold, eh? They, he, yeah, he goes on about all his jackets he needs to bring and all that. Um, but yeah, hopefully they get a chance to go watch them. They're really lucky that's undercovers. That's more I can say about any other venue in New Zealand. So yeah, <laughs> needs to get out there and watch more rugby. 
Well, you and Tapai and Manaki obviously didn't inherit that um, fear of the cold because you've been down in Invercargill for a very long time, a wee stint back up at the Pulse. But um, prior to getting COVID, you were supposed to play your 100th consecutive game for the Steel. You hadn't missed a game since 2016. I mean, that is a huge, huge effort. Did you know that was coming up? And have you realised that you just never injured, never sick? You're always there, Hooch. I know. I didn't know that was... That that number, but I knew I hadn't missed a game. I I just never have. Um, like since I started playing, which sounds ridiculous, not just for the steel, but even for the pulse and for the steel before then, I've never missed a game because of injury at all. Like I've obviously done my ankles probably like twenty times each, but you know, with ankles, you just think you can strap them up and hope for the best and keep going even when they're in pain. But I've been lucky not to have like a big injury, like you know, ACLs, Achilles, nothing like that. Some people say it's because I'm not dynamic enough <laughs> to do it. But, not yeah, true. I'll take it. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely take that. And, yeah, I've been super lucky. Great videos, great trainers who have kind of just been able to, like, can probably a bit of stubbornness from me too, just been able to get back the week after and play. What has, so, yeah, real lucky. What has kept you down there for so long? What do you love about Invercargill that, you know, some people might not understand? I know, might not agree. I'm not, I don't know. I did love Wellington too, and I'm, I'm originally from around Wellington. Um, but I don't know. I think it's the smallness. I hate traffic. I hate, like, conf, like small, confined spaces, cars all over me. So I never really liked that about Wellington, even though I love the city. But Invercargill takes, like, what, max 10 minutes to get anywhere all our trainings, including gym, running, netball, are all in the same at the Stadium Southland. Like, it's just really easy down here. Because of how everyone's close, we all hang out together with all the players all the time. I don't know if that happens really anywhere else. We didn't do it a lot at the Pulse because it doesn't take long, but, you know, it was just annoyance trying to get over those hills and through that traffic. So here we hang out with each other a lot. It's really easy to get to and from training. And, I don't know, everyone's just really nice down here, really cool, and literally they do anything for us. Um, so we're really lucky in that way that we have the support down here. Yeah, whatever's happening off the now, court, it's now, working on court too. Did, did I hear your nickname is Hooch? Is that what you called her, Hooch? Yeah, yes. Can I call you Hooch? Because yeah. I've got some quick-fire questions here for you. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. right. So, so, so this is a tradition on this uh, particular segment. The last song you played from Spotify. Oh, my God. I don't know what my last song is, but my, my top for 2021 was Talking to the Moon by Bruno Mars, which is... I don't know what that says about me. Do you, do you want to sing that for us? <laughs> that one? Don't uh, make me do that again. Yes. That's I don't know one. how that happened, but it was. Okay. Now, now, <laughs> what's, what's your go-to when it comes to comfort food? Oh, God. I don't know if it's anything Mexican. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, good to see. The Mexican's starting to sort of catch hold here, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Favourite other sport? Yeah, it is. Oh God! Um, maybe basketball. <laughs> Favorite all-time might be movie? A lot of NBA at the moment. Yeah, fa- yeah. Oh my God! Oh my God! Uh, Hooch, uh, I, I pre-sent these to you. You haven't come prepared. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lord of the Rings. Oh, I've said Lord of the Rings. Yes. Which now, one? Now the most the, the most <laughs> famous person you have met. Oh, ca- uh, carrying on to that, I met everyone from Lord of the Rings at the premiere in Wellington. Oh, did you? Or did it mean I shake their hands like Orlando Bloom, yeah, the guy who plays Frodo, Aragorn? Yeah. I was losing it. And, and final question here, um, Storm Purvis's favourite quality? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a hard one. <laughs> this is a hard one, man. Sorry, this is a really, really tough one. Do you mean my best quality? Your best quality, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't even know the answer to that. He's a very good drinker, Storm.
There you go. Came through the aftermatch function, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Got out of the competition, got out of the aftermatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Tiunga Selby, Rick, yeah. lovely to have you on the program. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, okay. Hooch. Do we, That's all right. Do, do we need to unpack that? Do you know. need to stand up and say, look, I'm Storm Purvis and I'm an alcoholic? No? I'm, I'm definitely Wrong not. meeting? Do, the steel really brought it out of me, though. You you know, you go down to the meeting oh, to so play netball. Oh, so it's their fault, is it? It's, it's the steel's fault. fault. It's your fault, Hoochie. Oh, it's everybody else's fault. Hey, look, I, <laughs> Everything I in moderation. I, I haven't done this there. with you before. I agree with you. It is the best netball show on radio. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for stepping in. You privilege and a pleasure. I'm, we're doing it again next week, I think. Oh, great. See you Here then. Here you go. We're going to come up with the second line for my gangster. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. You keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs>